welcome to the Superpowers for Good Show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and I am thrilled today to have with us Tamara Ryan, who is the uh, CEO of the Women's Bean Project in Denver. And uh, she's back with us today. She's been a guest before years ago, and she just does some of the most inspiring, amazing work employing women who are uh, in some of the most difficult challenging circumstances in a nonprofit social enterprise, you don't want to miss this discussion. So stick around. Uh, Tamara, welcome to the show. We're so thrilled to have you back. It's great to see you, Devin. I, I love how you have figured out how to use uh, a social enterprise in the context of a nonprofit to help women in just the in a, a very difficult, challenging time in their lives. Tell us about the Women's Bean Project. Well, we start with the idea that all women have the power to transform their lives through employment. So we hire women experiencing chronic unemployment, and we teach them the skills that they need to move to mainstream employment. And we do this in the context of a food manufacturing business. Our original product in 1989, when we were founded, was a bean soup mix, a 10 bean soup mix. And so that's where our name comes from. Today, we have 50 different individual food items that we distribute all across the US in about a thousand stores and lots and lots of online relationships. And yet at the same time, the purpose of our of why we exist is not the food manufacturing, though that provides the job. The reason we exist is to help women overcome their barriers to employment. So they come to work for us for six to nine months. So it's a relatively short amount of time. And during that time, they'll spend 70% of their paid time working in our business, on the food production line, in our shipping department, all the things that it takes to uh, make our product and distribute it. And then 30% of her paid time is what we call the U job, the YOU job, where she's working on herself. So she has the bean job and the U job. And during the U job time, she's still paid, but she's in classes like about healthy communication or computer skills or budgeting. And I really think it's the combination of those two things where we're addressing the whole person. You know, some employers don't like to think about the fact that people bring their whole selves to work, but that is the reality. And that means that if someone has histories of trauma, incarceration, homelessness, they're going to bring their whole selves in maybe not the healthiest way. And so what we're trying to do is help her learn how to be a great employee. She becomes a great employee for us, then she moves on to a job in the community and becomes a great employee for someone else. It really is just a, a magical model and a powerful recognition that uh, there is a real power in helping people become the best version of themselves. And, and for some people, it starts at a pretty basic level. Can you tell us more about the women who end up in your program? Well, a typical woman we hire hasn't had a job longer than a year in her lifetime, though the average age is about 38. So by the time they come to the BEAM project, they have long histories of addiction and incarceration, often homelessness. In fact, what we find is that at the time of hire, 77% of the women we hire have are either in crisis or vulnerable in their housing. And then the remaining 23% are going to have some sort of crisis during the time that they're with us with respect to their housing. And so even just that one thing, if you think about if someone doesn't have a safe place to go home every night, the expectation 
expectation that she would come to work every day is just unrealistic. But the challenge that I see is that no one ever has one barrier to employment. Barriers happen in clusters and they're interwoven and complicated. So there's you know, challenges with maintaining sobriety. There are health issues that have come up because of years of substance misuse. There are communication challenges. There's history of domestic violence. And so if, if you think about all of those things in the context of how they get in the way of employment, and really employment being the key to breaking out of poverty and staying out of prison. And so we, we approach it from that standpoint of we're working with each woman, meeting her where she is and helping her overcome what her barriers to employment are. And of course, no two people are going to be exactly alike, but what they have in common are the things that I mentioned. It really is uh, an interesting recognition. You, you raise something I think that's really important. It is the way these problems intertwine, and and they're no different than our problems. You know, our, our problems tend to to intertwine in a similar way, and it's hard to unravel them. And and we have problems, you and I, because we don't know how to solve them, or we wouldn't have them, right? And, and so these women are in a similar circumstance, but I wonder if you would just take a minute and tell us more about how the uh, housing and the employment and the uh, addiction and all of these things interrelate and, and how you maybe coordinate with other service providers to help make sure that women get a chance to address all of these problems while they're on the job training with you? Often what happens is women are coming to us with referrals from other organizations. We are constantly working on building relationships with organizations who might refer a woman who meets the criteria to come into the into the BEAM project. If you're a housing provider, for instance, then it is in your best interest to make sure that your uh, the people who are housed in your facility uh, are employed. So women are coming to us from a variety of these different resources. And we start out by, uh, after we hire her, making an assessment of what all her needs are. She's assigned a case manager who is a master's of social work intern who's going to work with her you know, hand in hand throughout her time with us and where we're identifying these the, the challenges she has and then figuring out what does it make sense for us to do as a part of our program curriculum and then where does she need to be referred so for instance if she's in a violent situation domestic violence situation when she's with us we would refer her to a, an organization that specifically addresses that if she has an active legal issue, we would find, uh, you know, we would refer her to legal services. If she needs housing, we will work with our with housing providers in the community to try to ensure that she gets housing. So we, what I think is important when you're working with people who have lots of needs is as an organization to really understand where you fit on the continuum and what you can uniquely do, and then how you want, how you can surround yourself with other groups that do the things that doesn't make sense for you to do, and they will always do better than you. Uh, and so that is really an important part of what we do is having a huge network of organizations to which we can refer women so that they can overcome all the barriers to employment. What we can uniquely do, though, is provide the work experience. So uh, we 
the, the work experience really helps them get ready for the job while we're working on all the other areas that are keeping them from a maybe even a psychosocial standpoint from being able to keep employment. It really is just extraordinarily important for human beings to experience some self-reliance is what we sometimes call it in my community. And, and so we, we, but it really does build self-esteem, self-actualization, right? To be able to feel like you are standing on your own two feet. And so it's, it's vitally important work that you're doing, I think. As, as you think about this work, and you've been doing it for a while now, tell us, what do you see as some of the, the most, maybe the, the, the success stories you most like to share? I'm really lucky because I get to meet women on their first day when they first start working at the Bean Project. And so they've been hired, they had applied, you know, they've done the things to be selected. And yet they still come sometimes not really sure what's going to happen or if this is the right place for them. And, and maybe not even really believing in themselves. And I think maybe that's one of the most important things is that I really believe that sometimes you have to believe in someone until they can begin to believe in themselves. And that's what we're doing by hiring them. Then over, you know, as I said, six to nine months is really not that long, but over this fairly short amount of time, the women literally blossom into these amazing women who are ready to take on the world, who are ready to go out into the community and get and keep employment and have that impact then on their children and their the rest of their family members and their friends and really the community as a whole. And I think that that's what's, what's so amazing. I, I've met women who, um, one woman stands out to me, um, she was just 21 and that's our minimum age to hire. Uh, it, she was just 21 when she came to us. Um, her background was that she, at 13, her mom introduced her to cocaine. And then uh, later threw her out of the house because she perceived that she was competition for boyfriends. And so at roughly 13 or so, she was on the streets. She didn't finish school and she was too young to get a job. And so she spent the next five years really involved with a lot of bad people doing a lot of bad things. And maybe the best thing that could have happened to her is that at 18, she was arrested because then she got into the, the justice system that helped her uh, get stable and get uh, um, sober. And so by the time she was 21, when her pastor referred her to us, she was ready to start her life and to watch her go from really not having had the opportunity to develop her identity as a teen, um, which is when we typically do, to becoming, you know, deciding who she wanted to be and what kind of mom she wanted to be. Today, she's in her 30s and she is, uh, she has a daughter. And I think about the fact that her daughter will never know a time when she's not employed. And not only does she, this woman have a a full-time job. She also volunteers at a women's prison near her home and does uh, just pastoral counseling for the women who are in this prison. When I think about when we, when we get to a point where we are stable enough to begin to pay it forward or to help someone else, that's really a testament to having accomplished a lot. Boy, you're, you're so right. That is a powerful milestone for people to reach when they get to that point that uh, they're helping other people. I suspect many of the women are mothers. And so when they are uh, having that personal success, the impact 
on other people is immediate, right in the household. Is that right? Well, 100%. When you change a woman's life, you change your family's life. And that really, for me, is fundamentally why I want to do this work. It is not, it doesn't stop with just that woman whose life has been changed. It really does ripple out to her children, even if they are adult children, but to her kids, to the rest of her family, to our community. I really think that if we want to change the world, we we start with the moms. Yeah, that's a, a great point. Thank you so much. Well, listen, uh, I, I want to just uh, say again, we're here with Tamara Ryan. She is the uh, the, the CEO of the Women's Bean Project. She's doing extraordinary work. And uh, when we come back from this one minute break, we're going to uh, talk to her about her superpower. So stick around. You don't want to miss this. Need money for your small business or startup? Learn how to raise capital on your own terms. Renowned attorney Jenny Casson will teach you how to fund your business without selling your soul. She'll share secrets learned over decades of fundraising. November 15th at 1 Eastern. Register today for free at thesupercrowd.com. Want to learn from the world's great changemakers? Find your superpower. Subscribe to the Superpowers for Good newsletter at superpowersforgood.com. Make your strengths into superpowers that will change the world. Join the super crowd today. Superpowers number four, good.com. Join us at SuperCrowd Baltimore to connect with community-focused business leaders and investors working to support diverse founders, social entrepreneurs, and community builders. Learn how to raise money from the crowd and how to invest like a pro. November 30th at the B&O Rail Museum. Register today at thesupercrowd.com. Welcome back. We're here with Tamara Ryan, the CEO of the Women's Bean Project, a nonprofit social enterprise that is changing women's lives in Denver. Uh, Tamara, we're so thrilled to have you, and uh, you have really this work is just incredibly important, and that you've helped countless women over the years that you've been doing this. Tremendous impact. You've been recognized in many ways in the community for your incredible work, uh, including being among one of the most 20, 25 most really influential women in the city of Denver. Uh, I congratulate you for that recognition. As you look back, what do you see as your superpower? Well, knowing I was going to be joining you, Devin, I really thought about you know, what is the what is one of the things uh, that I um, really feel has made a difference in my ability to do this work. And I would say my superpower is giving grace. And what that means to me is um, really in every interaction, remembering that that where that someone the person I'm interacting with is coming from a place and maybe they're doing the best that they can and maybe it's not a great interaction but yet um but I need to give them the grace to be where they are at that time and I think very often especially today we go through uh, you know so many of our interactions between people entirely lacks grace of just understanding that people bring different perspectives to every uh, interaction with one another. And really, there is not a lot of grace giving that's happening. Um, so I, that's, I guess that's what I would say is, is that idea of, of um, giving grace. Yeah, that that really is a, a powerful superpower. And it is so tempting. Uh, I think most of us do the opposite. 
right? Most of us are assuming bad intention instead of good, uh, assuming the worst of people. It's really a tough problem to develop that skill. As you look back, can you think of a challenge that your superpower, giving grace, has helped you overcome? In the work that we do at the Bean Project, it can be, I guess, tempting to watch someone, uh, you know, a woman who has been you know, given this opportunity. You, uh, just by way of example, at the a month ago, we hired 15 women. There were 130 applicants for those 15 spots. So just by definition, being hired at the Bean Project is a big deal because there are a lot of people who aren't, who wish to be hired. And so then they come on to the, uh, our, our um, staff and they're starting to do the work and watching them sometimes make choices that really are counter to the overall goal, which is to change her life. It can be really hard to watch that happen. I think many of us have a tendency to look at someone else and say, well, you know, if she'd only do this, this, and this, then, you know, it, the, all the problems would be solved. And I think that that with that mentality, we, we really set ourselves up for unhappiness and disappointment. And I think it's important to, um, again, understand where the woman is coming from and why perhaps the choice that she's made might not look like the best choice from the outside. But for her, it might be that she doesn't really feel like she has other choices or she doesn't feel empowered or um, worthy of making a better choice. And so even just that of just not getting frustrated with someone based on the uh, the decisions that they make and instead under coming from a place of understanding and empathy, I think is, is the basis for this idea of giving grace. Can you think of a specific example of a woman that struggled at first being in the program that, you know, I can imagine that there are a lot struggling, some probably fail out, but can you think of an example of someone who struggled and got the benefit of your grace, your patience, your long suffering, helping them through that became a very successful graduate. Can you think of an example like that? Yes, absolutely. The bigger challenge is to narrow the possibilities. But I think of a woman named Joy who came to us after um, uh, spending time in federal prison because of the, the level of uh, drug dealing that she was doing. And she, so she came to us and she um, she had gotten custody of her kids back. She had four kids ranging in age from eight to 18 when she started working for us. And during the time that she was working for us at the time, uh, our wage was $8 an hour. And when she went back for her redetermination for her uh, food stamps, which were helping her support her kids, she was receiving $150 a month. And figuring out how to make that work with just 150 bucks. And uh, they cut her to $5 a month because her $8 an hour job was too much. And she came into work and said, you know, I just, I have to quit because I, it, this isn't worth it. And I don't even know why I don't just go back to dealing drugs because I never had to worry about this problem. I didn't have to report my income. Uh, and there was, it was a really dark time for her. And, uh, and it, she stopped coming to work for a few days and we started working with her. We just sort of wouldn't let her go. We just persisted. And, um, and you know, what could have happened with any other employer is we just let her quit. 
what we decided was that in the long run, that wouldn't be the best thing for her or her family, allowing her to quit. And so instead, we helped her get access to food resources. She was pretty close to graduating. Um, I think sort of the ultimate, um, uh, I guess, punch in the face to fate was that she went on to work for a food distributor making $18 an hour. So she no longer even needed the access to food stamps. But, you know, so she graduated our program really because we wouldn't let her quit. And then she ended up, you know, having sort of the sweet revenge on, on the universe by getting such a great job at the end. That is such a great story. Such a great story. Just inspiring to see that example of what you're talking about. Uh, Tamara, can you um, give us some tips for developing that ability to give grace? I think the first thing is to check yourself and realize that you your perspective is just one perspective. I often joke that there are three sides to every story, his, hers, and the truth. Uh, and But starting from that standpoint of understanding that just because it's your opinion and it may be a well-founded opinion or perspective, it's not the only perspective. And being open to the idea that someone else's perspective is just as valid as, as your own and being willing to listen and um, and try to understand. Um, I think it's easy for us to to apply our paradigms. I think back to when I first started at the Bean Project with the biases and prejudices that I had that I didn't even know I had. I remember thinking that um, that people who were chronically unemployed didn't want to work or that um, people who went to prison had made just made bad choices and so it was their fault. And it really took uh, meeting women and recognizing that except for the fact that I happened to be born a middle-class white girl in Colorado Springs, there was no difference between us. And that a lot of times uh, a woman may have made bad choices, but maybe she had five choices and they were all bad. And she chose the best of the bad. And it was being faced with, uh, with, the reality that other people's people had that wasn't the same as my reality and really beginning to understand that um, except for the grace of God go I on some level. And so I, I would say being open to the idea that our that each of our own perspective is is one of many perspectives and that um, that uh, again being open to this idea that we may not be right is a great way to start in terms of giving grace. Yeah, that's uh, great tips, great tips. As we wrap up here, Tamara, I wonder if you would take just a minute and tell people how they can learn more about Women's Bean Project, how they can buy some beans, how they can otherwise support the work, and how they can connect with you. I know um, there are people who are interested in having you speak at their events and people who will want to follow you on social media just to learn from you. So if you'd share all of that, I'd appreciate it. I'd be delighted. So you can find Women's Bean Project at womensbeanproject.com, all one word. And that's where all of our products can be found from our bean soup mixes to our yummy snacks to our baking mixes, a pretty wide variety of different things. And we ship everywhere you could imagine. So uh, I welcome you to visit there. And I can be found on LinkedIn at 
linkedin.com forward slash Tamara Ryan, T-A-M-R-A-R-Y-A-N. And on Facebook, we're both Women's Bean Project and Tamara Ryan. Fantastic. Well, Tamara, we are so grateful for you taking the time to be with us today. We want to wish you every success in continuing to do the incredible and great work that you're doing every day. Well, thanks, Devin, and thanks for your to your viewers for making it possible. All righty. Let's do some good.